your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. This is Brian Walters. I'm here with Jake Gilbreth, and today we're going to discuss on the For Better, Worse, or Divorce podcast about what happens if you've been sued. So that's when generally a constable knocks on your door or walks up to you or somebody does and hands you papers and says, you know, hey, are you John Smith? Yes, I am. Well, here's you've been sued. And suddenly you've got these very scary looking legal papers in front of you. In this case, since you're listening here, it's probably because you're someone's divorcing you or filing a child custody case or modification. And uh, it's probably out of the blue or at least wasn't expected in this manner. And you don't know what to do. So, uh, Jake, do you want to talk about what that means to be served and kind of the steps leading up to it? And then we'll talk about what you need to do next. Yeah. And I always tell my client what you got to remember about a divorce or a child custody cases that it's a lawsuit. It's just no different than, you know, if I, Brian and I were driving down the highway and I rear-ended Brian's car and got sued for negligence, that's a lawsuit. Breach of contract, that's a lawsuit. A divorce is a lawsuit. And the way a, a lawsuit gets kicked off is there's a petition filed in our world. It's what's called a petition for divorce. Or if it's just kids, then it's a suit affecting the parent-child relationship, most likely, or a motion for enforcement or a petition for enforcement, whatever the lawsuit is. It gets filed. It goes down to the district clerk for the whatever county that's filed in, and that clerk's going to issue what's called citation most of the time. So to put a quick pin in that, there are cases, and this is actually pretty common, where it's not that thing you see on the movies where the constable or the process server gives you the lawsuit. A lot of times we kick off our cases where it gets sent with a waiver. So the divorce petition gets sent informally to the other side saying, you know, this has been filed. Please sign this document that says that you got it so that you don't have to get served by a constable. Because a lawsuit doesn't start the deadline and nothing can go forward until the other side is either signs a waiver saying they got the, the, the documents or is served. And being served means that that citation that the clerk issued, a process server, either a constable or somebody that's a process server, hands that paperwork to the other side. Or in instances where they're not able to physically hand it, there's legal procedures to go through if you have to get somebody served another way. 99 out of 100 times, though, somebody being served, it's going to be somebody handing the paperwork saying, you've been sued, here's the paperwork, and then they file that return of citation saying that person's been served. As you can imagine, that it's, it's, can sometimes be more complicated. Sometimes it results in very interesting stories, which is something for another day. But that's what starts it. When you actually been served with it, that's what starts it, or you sign the waiver. Once you do that, then things, there's certain timelines that go into effect. So it is important, obviously it's self-serving, it sounds self-serving, but it's really important to go talk to a lawyer right away, particularly if you've been given a waiver. Those waivers of service, because a lot of times clients call me and say, you know, my spouse or my spouse's lawyer just sent me the divorce petition with a waiver of citation, so I don't have to get served. What's that mean? And you should always consult with a lawyer before signing that waiver. 99 out of 100 times, it's going to be a standard, no problem waiver that says you've got the documents, you're entering your appearance, you want to be notified of everything. And it's just not, it's not that big a deal. I have seen in rare instances, lawyers prepare waivers because you can sign a waiver that says, I don't want to be notified of anything moving forward. You can default me, you can go down to the courthouse and get whatever court order you want. In the rare instance, but I've seen it happen several times in my career, people will receive a waiver and it's a trick from the other side that essentially says, 
you know, I'm, I'm waiving all my rights and I don't need to be notified and you guys just go default me in this lawsuit. Like I said, very rare, but I've seen it. So you should consult with a lawyer before you even sign the waiver. But let's say you sign the waiver or you get served. Let's say you get served. You're going to have deadlines to file an answer. It's going to be, and it'll be on there for, for district and county court. It'll be on the citation. It'll say you have 20 days plus the following Monday at 10 a.m. to file a response. And if you don't, there could be a default order issued against you. I've had clients come to me that had default orders issued against them just because they just didn't file an answer or didn't think to. So it's really important to consult with a lawyer right away. And then so for you, Brian, when somebody's coming in, let's say they've actually been served. It's not the situation where you've looked at the waiver. They've actually been served. What are the next steps that you're doing for them? Yeah, that's a good point. So the first thing I'm going to look for is how, I guess, serious or how pressing this is and kind of a subset of that. Is there anything in the in that group of documents that you've been served with that, that's an order that tells you you have to do something or you cannot do something? Because if you start doing things you're not supposed to or failing to do things you're supposed to, and there's an order that tells you to do it, then have very serious consequences, even including going to jail potentially, but certainly serious financial consequences or, or it may so upset the judge that the rest of your case is going to be poisoned. So that's really a confusing concept because there's a difference between what are called pleadings, which is a request by the person that's suing you versus an order, which is where the judge says, yeah, you're going to do this or not do this. So, and it's difficult for a lay person to tell the difference, not surprisingly, right? They're not lawyers. So and one of the most common things I that people get upset about is almost every Texas lawsuit pleading includes a request that the other side pay all of their fees, which is actually pretty rare that that occurs. But it always says that because the form we form software we use to to draft it is uh, has it and it's probably negligence not to put it in there anyway, or unless your client tells you very specifically not to. So all lawyers put it in. But that's just a request, which probably won't be granted. And so I get that all the time. My wife said I'm supposed to pay her attorney fees and we she promised me this was not going to be a contested case and we were going to each pay our own attorney fees. Well, you know, it's, that's probably her lawyer not communicating with her very well about that and uh, not asking her ahead of time before filing it and not having a review beforehand. Or maybe she was lying to you. <laughs> that's possible too. But that those aren't too big of a deal, although those pleadings can give us a hint about what's going to happen. If it says about custody, for example, I think we're going to reach an agreement or if we don't have an agreement, let's be joint managing and we'll work this out. Well, that's one thing. If it says, on the other hand, I want to be the sole managing conservator and I, I don't want you, the person who just got served, to see your children without a supervisor or at all, that's a big red flag, right? We probably have a problem at that point. Yeah, you can read a lot. If you're experienced in your county and know, know your your opposing counsels and your court and everything like that, you can tell a lot reading between the lines in a petition, right? I, sometimes I get them and I can tell it's like, well, they hired so-and-so. I know that lawyer. This is how he or she pleads in every single case. So they just check every single box under the sun. So don't lose sweat on it until I lose sleep on it or don't sweat it until, until I talk to them. And then sometimes, yeah, you, you see it and you can kind of tell how serious they are just Again, more because of the experience with the other side or, or how these things are actually pled, we can tell if, it, if it's serious or not. We, I can predict pretty well how a case is going to go looking at the pleading. But the other thing I was going to say, you know, talking about when people see this stuff, a lot of times they see what's re called a request or a restraining order, and that can range for how serious it is. And sometimes it's not that serious. So a lot of counties have what's called a standing order. 
attached to all petitions for divorce. And the standing order essentially says there's this automatic order that goes into effect that says, here's the things you can and cannot do while divorce is pending. You know, don't go blow all the money. Don't go hide the child. Don't remove the child from the state of Texas. Don't spend money except for reasonable living expenses or attorney's fees, whatever that means. And that's those are the rules. And it's automatically attached. And that's in the local rules that that's attached in every single divorce petition. Some counties don't have a standing order yet. So what the lawyers have to do is go get, because the legal title of this is a restraining order saying you're restrained from spending money except for reasonable living expenses or attorney's fees. You're restrained from hiding the child from the other parent. And so it comes across and in our world, we look at it and go, oh, that's that's what we call standard injunctions. That's, that's not that big a deal. But if you don't know that, you see, I just got served with original divorce petition and temporary restraining order. And it's really scary. Now, having said that, sometimes it's on the other extreme, right? You see these standard injunctions and there's 50 standard injunctions. And then the you know, number 51 is restrained from all access or possession to the child. And that's obviously way different and and a much bigger issue. So it's really important to read those things. I had one a few weeks ago that my client got served with, and we couldn't even tell. The judge had tried to handwrite something on the restraining order and had tried to mark out some, but then her copy didn't mark it out. And the way she marked it out, you couldn't even tell if it had been scanned in weird. And that's why there was a mark out on the restraining order. Or had she actually tried to mark it out? And this huge, when the client got served on Friday, huge scramble, trying to figure out. And then finally on Monday, found out that the court had actually tried to deny the restraining order or essentially take all the, the teeth out of it, but had signed the wrong one. I mean, it was, it was interesting, right? So, but going back to the importance was that client contacted me, I think, 7.30 at night on a Friday. Had not, was not a client at the time. Had contacted 7.30 7 at night on Friday. And usually if I'm getting a phone call at 7.30 at night on a Friday, usually it's an emergency and, and I'm going to be picking those up and talking to somebody. And it was. And, you know, we got retained over the weekend and Monday morning had it fixed. But that that all goes back to, you know, talk to a lawyer. It could be really serious. It could be normal in our world. No different than going to see a doctor. That thing, that lump that you see could be real serious or it could be benign, but you need to be talking to a doctor just like you need to be talking to a lawyer. And, and we can, we can get a lot of information to you just from, from the initial pleadings. Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes a lot of sense. So I think then the next step for somebody, once they've figured out what's on it by talking to a lawyer then is to figure out how to respond, right? And so can you talk a little bit about the requirements about responding and to a general lawsuit? And then now, again, this goes to the order part of this. Uh, There may be a requirement that you have to respond much quicker in in as little as three days. You may may be in a courtroom in as little as three days. So if you want to talk about that. You may be getting served what's called a show cause order saying you're ordered to appear at a hearing before your, your answer date. And that's why we have that's why it's a court order, because it's a hearing before even that answer date, even when you don't have that, though. Right. You get served with it and you look and you go, well, I got 20 days plus the following Monday. This is this is plenty of time or even the situation when you get asked to sign the waiver and you think I've got plenty of time. I understand you know, somebody who's had to hire lawyers myself. I mean, it, no, nobody wants to do it. And there's that real temptation, right, to put it in your desk, not look at it, just think, I'll just deal with that in a couple of weeks or, you know, I've got time and I'm just going to wait to consult with a lawyer. And I get that, right? And I get hired sometimes, right? It's the Friday before the Monday deadline and, and that's fine. But I do encourage people, even if you've got time, consult with the lawyer right away. And I may consult with you and say, for strategic purposes, let's wait to the last minute to file our appearance. Or if there's a quarter order, you know, there's a hearing coming up, 
for strategic purposes. Maybe I'll say, let's not make our appearance till the morning of the hearing and then show up when they're thinking you're not going to have a lawyer. And then you show up, you know, with a lawyer prepared and ready to go. There may be strategic reasons why I tell you not to file your response right away. But there may be strategic reasons why I tell you to file it right away, even if you have time. You know, the most common that, that comes to mind is all people and they'll say, you know, I've got time to file an answer. Well, OK, that, that's fine. But, the, you know, at the other side, for whatever reason, needs to seek what's called ex parte relief while your answer date is, is pending. They claim some emergency right or wrong. They're going to go down to the courthouse and seek emergency relief based on affidavit, but, but seek emergency relief and not tell you about it or give you really short notice if there's an emergency popped up. In some jurisdictions, in some counties, the courts will hear those ex parte. Ex parte means without the other side there. But they will not hear it if they see that you have a lawyer on the other side. 99 out of 100 times. They see that you've retained a lawyer and that you have an answer on file. The judge is not going to just go, even if the other side claims there's an emergency, they're not going to ex parte you. They're going to hear from both sides. So it, it all just goes back to have that conversation. I've had cases where I get hired on the day after that they've been served and then tell them to wait till the last minute to file their answer. I've had this other podcast. We talked about this. There's also deadlines to get triggered and everything once you file your answer. But then I've had them where they say, I hear you. We have time, but we really should get a response out. We should be the ones, you know, pushing to go to court. We should be the ones trying to move this case forward for whatever reason. It's just a conversation. That conversation needs to take place in the initial consultation so you can make that decision. Yeah, I agree. So I think in summary, what I would say is if, if you've been served, especially unexpectedly, a couple of things, don't panic, but do read it, do look at it and see if if you can, you know, as a layman, try to figure out the basics. If it says real clearly, or you think it says you're not allowed to go back to your house, for example, that those do occur, then don't go back to your house. I mean, that much more quicker, you ought to talk to a lawyer. But uh, and then the second thing is, yeah, talk to somebody who knows what they're doing. We can usually tell you all that you need to know in, a, in one of our consultations, probably in a very short period of time, and get a strategy together for responding to it. I think that's important too. And and again, yeah, just don't deny it or delay about it because there may be something in there that's, even if you say, hey, it looks to be only 20 days when it's due, that might not be the case if there's an order in there that, that expedites that. So probably sooner rather than later would make sense to me. But in the end of the day, it's not a criminal matter. It's civil. The court can, you know, with a good lawyer and with listening to your lawyer, there's, you know, at the end of the day, you'll still be okay. And if you're served, it certainly can be surprising and depressing and shocking, but uh, you will get through it and you will be all right. And we'll be there. Right. Like you said, to wrap up, I mean, it is not fun going through a lawsuit. It's not fun if you're the one doing the suing, but we're going to get it together go through it together. And, you know, it's fortunately, it's not our first divorce. A lot of our clients, it's their first divorce. But for us, it's not our first and we'll be able to help you uh, help you through it. So yeah, I would say let's wrap up with that. So I guess I'll let everybody know, like we always do that. If you like what you heard, please feel free to leave us a review. That's very helpful for us. And of course, feedback is really, really helpful for us. Uh, we want to know what topics y'all want to hear about. We want to know what topics y'all don't want to hear about. So you can always email podcast at waltersgilbert.com. And we appreciate everybody listening. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbert.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreath.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.